as we uh, get into our uh, final class here. Okay, let's just review. Ois Aleph, chapter 1. What was the main point there? Different Shechinas. Shechinas is a relative term, and the Shechina that used to be in this world was? The strongest. The highest possible way of using that term. Okay, Ois base was? It was in the physical world. Excellent. Okay, cool. Lowest world, physical world. Yeah. Uh, Ois Gimel, chapter 3. Seven generations. Seven generations. You're on a roll. Uh, chapter 4, Ois Dalit. Um, all sevens are precious. I think that was in chapter 3. But chapter 4, we started getting the idea of the point of creation. Yeah, we started getting the idea of the point of creation. And the point of creation is for... Subjugation, transformation, very good. Um, and then, this is great, you guys are amazing. And then chapter 5, which is where we left off yesterday, we continue talking about um, the purpose of creation being for this physical world. And we spoke about transforming the shtus. That's a concept from the Friedrich Rebbe's the idea of shtus de kedusha, the folly of holiness, taking silly... Uh, irrationality and turning it into holy irrationality. Okay, so that brings us to chapter 6. And we're going to continue talking about that theme, about transforming the shtus. There's nothing wrong with being a little bit irrational, but it's got to be based on holiness. Be irrational for holiness. And we'll talk about that more, what that means to be irrationally or, or radically holy or extreme in your holiness. Okay, let's go into chapter 6. Oizvav. So at the end of the Fidik Rebbe, at the end of the previous Rebbe's Maimer, he explains. That the main revelation of Shechina in the physical world was in the Beis Hamikdash, in the Holy Temple. That's why the Mishkan, the sanctuary in the desert, was made from shittim. Shittim is a type of wood, a species of wood. Why was it made from shittim? Because shittim etymologically is similar to the word shtus. And it's a hint to the fact that how do you make your personal sanctuary for God in this world, by transforming your shtus, by transforming your irrationality from irrationality that just stam, plain old irrationality, to irrationality for a holy purpose. Ukemaimer, like it says, Rizal, the sages say, that old man's silliness helped him. It's a reference to a story in the Gemara that's described greater length than the previous Rebbe's Mimer, but it's about one of the sages who used to um, he used to make himself a little bit less than respectable in order to uh, rejoice with the Chassan and Kala, and other sages are sort of like, mm, that's not so uh, nice, that's not so becoming a Torah sage, and that actually mm-hmm. they saw that this was a fantastic thing that he was doing, because he was doing it for a holy purpose, so shtus kedusha. okay. Which, bottom line, that means working in a way where we are setting aside the ego in a way that, that surpasses rationale. 
So all the things that the Fidik Rebbe demanded from us, and so to all of the Rebbeim, all the previous generations of the Rebbeim demanded from us, they did that themselves. Okay, so follow the setup. You got to take the shtos that you already have and turn it into holy shtos, which means being irrash- irrationally um, holy. Then we say, the previous Rebbe, as well as all the Rebbeim, whatever they told us to do, they did themselves. It's like what it says, what the sages say on the verse, Hashem tells His laws and His statutes to the Jewish people. Whatever He tells us to do, that's what He Himself does. That's why we say He tells us His laws, meaning the laws that He Himself keeps, so to speak. Whatever He tells the Yidin to do, He does. So along the same lines, that whatever Hashem tells the Jewish people to do, Hashem also does, along these same lines... The, instruct, the instructions, the directives of our Nesim, of our Rebbeim, whatever they demanded from those who were connected to them, they themselves fulfilled, they themselves did. And this, that we know, the fact that we know that they did it, it makes it easier for us to do it. So the, the previous Rebbe said you got to be irrationally holy. It's not just to be rationally, not enough to be rationally holy. You have to be irrationally holy. And anything the, the previous Rebbe demanded from us, he himself did, and all the Rebbeim did. For instance, let's talk about Avis Yisrael. There's rational Avis Yisrael, and there's irrational Avis Yisrael. There are many stories from all of the Rebbeim about irrational Avis Yisrael, going above and beyond, above and beyond the call, more than what is required. Oh, like what, for instance? Excellent question. Uladugma, for instance, Mikveid Kizadmurazakin story about the Alter Rebbe. Shihivsik Bitfilase. He interrupted his prayers. It doesn't mention it here, but it happened to have been on Yim Kippur. Vahalak Vakatat Aitzim, he went and chopped wood on Yim Kippur. Ubishal Marik, he cooked a soup. Vahakal Baatsme Lieldis, and he himself fed a woman who had just given birth. Because no one else is home to take care of her. That's above and beyond. Now there's a story from the Mitle Rebbe. Somebody came into Yechidus, personal audience, and he complained about such matters that young men complain about. Um, I'll give you the PG version. A young man, not a young woman. It's a, he was bearing his soul about moral deficiencies of a personal nature. <coughs> we got it? That's good enough. What you're thinking it is, it is. So then... 
the Amit Rebbe revealed his arm. He rolled up his sleeve. Va'amalai, halai tira. He said to him, "Don't you see? Should sofed oidi al al that my skin is shriveled on my on my bone? That's a actually it's a verse from Eicha from Lamentations. But basically, he's saying, "Yeah, tell me about it. You tell me you have problems in this area. I know I'm suffering from it. I'm that connected to you. That it's more than empathy. It's." I'm, I'm, I'm in this with you. He says, all this, my, my, my skin is shriveled around my, my arm, I'm getting it from your, from your sins. Not to make him feel bad, but to let him know, I'm really, it's not sympathy, it's not even empathy, it's I'm in it with you. Now we know about the Mitle Rebbe how holy he was. And especially how whole how much holier he was than this type of behavior. Nevertheless, he had such a connection even to people who were involved in these things. Until such an extent that their problems, that they were doing improperly. Paul Olov Chalisha Sabrias Biyesa. It affected his health. until his skin was shriveled on his bone. In other words, he was. He didn't separate himself from the people who were involved in things that were beneath him. He retained that connection, even though it affected him so deeply. Now here's a story about the Tzamech Tzadik. Before davening, there's a story. We won't tell the whole long story, but it's before davening. He went out and he found somebody who needed a loan in order to do business. And he could have given him the loan after davening, but he knew if he would have waited until after davening, it wouldn't have helped the guy because you got to have money at the beginning of the business day in order to get merchandise, in order to be able to sell merchandise. Um, so instead of, instead of davening, the Tzemach Tzedek went, and he found, he sought out this person, and he gave him a loan, so he could do business for the day. Another story, a story from the Rebbe Marash. One time he went to Paris. And he found this young man, and he said to him, it doesn't say it here, but he sought him out in a casino. He actually rented a room, or actually two rooms, one for himself and for the other attendants with him. And he stayed in this fancy, fancy casino. Nobody knew why. And then he went down to the place where they're betting, the actual casino floor, and he finds this guy sitting at the table, I don't know, roulette or whatever game he was playing. I don't even know if the person was recognizably Jewish. I would assume not. And the Rebbe Marash walks up to this guy. This was the whole trip to Paris. He, he finds this guy. He walks up to him. He says, Younger man, Young man, non-kosher wine, uh, it uh, dulls the mind and the heart, be Jewish. And that was it. And the Rebbe Marash left Paris. That's the whole purpose that he went to Paris, just for that guy, for that message. Then this guy went home. And he couldn't rest until he himself sought out the Rebbe Marash. He did and ended up uh, ha- happily ever after. He became the the uh, father of a very upright and religious family of many generations. 
אשר ידוע שעצר כבד קדושת אדמון מהרש היה זמן יוקר במעיד. We know by the Rebbe מהרש, time was very, very precious. עד שגם אמירס החסידס היה בקיצר, even when he would say חסידס, which is obviously a priority, or the priority, but he would say חסידס very quickly, or do it quickly, get it over quickly. In fact, we find something that's sort of an anomaly by, especially by, you know, Chabad, that by 8 o'clock in the morning he was already after Shachris. <coughs> because time was so precious to him, he did everything chick-chock. And yet, somebody who lived his life doing everything chick-chock, he took a trip to a whole, a whole trip just to, to, to the one purpose, just to give a message to this one guy. Who had been, you know, had fallen so low that he's sitting in a casino and, and drinking non-kosher wine and doing who else knows goes with that type of lifestyle. And nevertheless, even though time was so precious for him, the Rebbe Manash made this whole long journey, and he stayed there as long as it was necessary, for the sake of this young man. Another story. Here's a story from the Rebbe Rashab at the beginning of his leadership. There was a government decree, and he had to go to, to Moscow, which was then the capital under the communists. And his brother, the Reza, Reb Zalman told him, your time is precious. And you don't speak Russian well. The, 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 the Rezor was a polyglot. He did speak languages. Also, you have to find how to make acquaintance with the people. You know, you don't have the connections. And the Rezor said, I have the language, I have the connections, let me go instead. Therefore, I'll go, and I'll go according to however you tell me. The Rebbe Rishab did not agree to that. He said, no, I'll go myself, and he was successful. And when it comes to the previous Rebbe, we have many, many stories of how he put forth effort to help out another Jew, even just one individual. But either to help them spiritually or physically. And he literally set himself aside. He set aside his own interests in order to do so. Not just his material concerns. Even his spiritual concerns he set aside. And those people he was helping, they were not his peers in Taita Mitzvahs. They were not what you would consider on such a high level, to put it euphemistically. They were on a much level, lower level, but that, that, that didn't prevent him. So how would we summarize this chapter? It's the third, uh, good call, Get, you, you caught that. It's the third time now we've cycled through all the Rebbeim in order. The first two we were quoting teachings of theirs. This time we're telling stories of theirs. Very good. And how would you summarize this chapter? We've got to transform the irrationality into holy irrationality. And we gave an example here of irrational Avas Yisro as exhibited by the Rebbeim. 
So there's Avas Yisrael, and then there's above and beyond what's expected. And all these stories are illustrations of doing more than what you're required to do, doing it irrationally, and that that is a, an example of transforming whatever silliness we have, whatever priorities we've convinced ourselves are really, really important, and we have no rational reason why they're so important, right? To take that stubbornness, that silliness, and transform that into a stubborn uh, devotion to helping out a Jew. Okay, Zion. We're doing good. Let's roll along. Zion. Now, let's get back to where we're talking about the purpose of creation is for the physical world. When we transform our irrationality into holy irrationality by being devoted irrationally to a mitzvah like Avos Yisrael, that fulfills the entire purpose of creation. Which is, he fills it in, namely, what is the purpose of creation? That Hashem should have his dwelling in this lowest world. And through our eskafia and eshapcha, subjugation, transformation, Hashem gets his dwelling place in this lowest realm, which means, Bosilagani, honey, I'm home, I'm back to my place. And this is actually a level that's higher than what existed before the sin. In other words, we're not just trying to, it's not a, like a zero-sum game where everything got messed up, but we're going to fix it, we're going to make it back again. That's like digging a pit and then filling it back in again. No. What we're going to have through our iskafia and isafcha. What we're going to create for Hashem, a dwelling place in this physical world for the highest level of Shechina, is going to be greater than anything that ever existed before. Why? Because before, Hashem did it, unilaterally. He put Himself in this world, which is already a novelty. The highest of the high in the lowest of the low, but now it's going to be a bigger novelty. The highest of the high in the lowest of the low, as caused by the work of the lowest of the low are grappling with our own lower selves, is what's going to cause the highest of the high to dwell here. So the paradox, the novelty, becomes intensified. Follow. For instance, tearing down a building in order to build a bigger one. It's a halacha, by the way. You're not allowed to destroy anything. You're not allowed to build, knock down a building unless you're building a bigger one. The new building's going to be better than the, than the first. So we have to say, that through our grappling with the ego, by subjugating it and ultimately transforming it, we're going to give Hashem a home in this world like He's never had before, greater than what He had even at the very beginning. Or like it says in the previous Rebbe's Mimer, quotes the wording of the Zoyer, that through subjugation and transformation of one's ego, it causes the glory of Hashem to raise up, or rise up in all of, all of the worlds. What does that mean? 
All worlds means the light that is equally present in all worlds. What does that mean, light that's equally present in all worlds? Light that is so lofty that it cannot be contained by any world, therefore it is equally present in all worlds. Although the language that it uses in the Mimer, in the previous of his Mimer, is transcendent light, light that transcends the worlds. But don't think that light that transcends the world means light that has a relationship with the world. Only its relationship is that it transcends or surrounds rather than filling. And you're thinking that, well, it's, it's a light. It can't be in the world, so it's around the world, but it has what to do with the world. But rather, what should you know? The meaning of this word, of Sevev, it is light that is not even, has no connection, not even theoretically to the worlds, because it is way too lofty. Not just, just that it happens to be surrounding them. And what we're saying is that our Skafi and our Samcha triggers that light, light which is beyond worlds. That's why when we cause that light, when we trigger that light to shine, we call it istalic, which normally we translate as depart or leave. But the Rebbe is going to say here, it doesn't mean depart or leave. The passing of a tzaddik. And remember, the Rebbe is mentioning here the passing of a, of a tzaddik. Just let's remind us of the context that this mimer is being recited in the first yortzad of, of, of the previous Rebbe. So the Rebbe says, the passing of a tzaddik is called histalkus. Ki histalkus hu gilu er Histalkus doesn't mean the tzaddik left. Histalkus means the revelation of an even higher light. There's a section of Tanya called the Geras HaKadosh from the Alter Rebbe, and there's two letters in there that speak about the histalkus, the passing of a tzaddik. Shemavarim inyan histalkus. Explain there the passing of a tzaddik. In the second letter of the two, it, it, it compares the passing of a tzaddik to the para aduma, the red heifer. The sacrifices that are done inside the temple, as holy as they are, they don't have the power to transform the irredeemable evil or to cleanse one from a relationship with that irredeemable evil, which we call the three irredeemable clippers. Explains in that letter over there, it's only the paraduma, the red heifer, which is done outside of the temple, outside the camp. That has the power to transform the lowest energies. The cow, the heifer, which is performed outside. And there the Altarebbe compares the passing of Tzadikim to the power of the red heifer. Meaning the passing of a Tzadik has the power to transform these normally irredeemable energies. Now we don't have the red heifer today, says the Rebbe. Because due to our sins we were exiled from our land. We don't have Many things, including the red heifer. Aval, But we do have the passing of tzaddikim. 
There are two sayings of our sages about the passing of a tzaddik. One saying of the sages is the passing of a tzaddik is like the burning of the house of God. The other is the other is that the passing of a tzaddik is harder, is more difficult for us than the destruction of the temple. But what is the effect? <clears throat> the effect of the passing of the tzaddik is this histalkos. It doesn't mean passing like he left the world. What it really means is histalik. It means there is a revelation of a light that is so lofty that normally it has no, can have no relationship with the world. Watch it happen again. We're going to go through again the seven names, the seven generations. This is the way that all the Rebbeim explained the Stalkus of a Tzaddik. The Alter Rebbe, Kveit Kus Admor Emtsoi, the Mitler Rebbe, Kveit Kus Admor Tzemach Tzaddik, the Tzemach Tzaddik, Kveit Kus Admor Marash, the Rebbe Marash, Kveit Kus Admor Nishmos Eden, the Rebbe Risham, Kveit Kus Meidachomi Admor, and the previous Rebbe. She'ein a kovon of Pirish Tevis Histalkus, Shehu Ali Alamailach Hazvashalom. Histalkus does not mean that the Tzaddik left, he went to some higher realm. He abandoned us. Rather, he remains here below. But in, but in an exalted state. That's how his talkus is explained. So his presence, his spiritual presence, remains behind in an exalted state. So this is what's demanded from us. Us, the seventh generation from the Alter Rebbe. And don't forget, all sevenths are precious. Not that all precious ones are sevenths, but all sevenths are precious. Accident of birth. We didn't ask to be born now. Even though we didn't earn it. And we didn't work for it. We are the seventh. We're poised in a unique time. And what's the job of the seventh generation? Just like with Meshach Rabbeinu. All the previous generations, they got the Shekhinah a little bit closer, but Meshach's one was that radical shift, that categorical change, where it went from being in heavens to being on earth. And that's the job here again, to bring the Shekhinah all the way back to this world. And if you want to know how that's done, take the silliness of your animal soul, which is convinced that all types of things must be a certain way, because this is the way I always do it, and this is important to me, and these are my priorities. You take that, and everybody who's honest with himself knows that he has this in him. And also that passion, not just Nefshabamis knows he's right. He passionately knows he's right, and he's, I have to do this, it's so important. And to take that, and everyone knows he has it, and sometimes, sometimes even there's parts of us that are even lower than that. The Rebbe is euphemistic, but even more than just being stubborn about getting your way with unimportant things, maybe it's even less than unimportant, lower than unimportant, like really like not good, to state it mildly. And we all know we have our relationship maybe sometimes to even that. But to take from that attitude, from that little voice inside of you, 
And take that very voice, that very part of us, and turn that into the inner voice of, let's do something irrational for Hashem's agenda. Let's do way beyond, way more than what's required. Okay, how are we going to summarize Zion? Let's go above and beyond. Take your irrationality and apply it to something holy. Yeah, I'm good with that. And I would also add the detail that that histalkus doesn't mean departure. It means a revelation of an even higher light and that the passing of tzaddikim causes something uniquely lofty to happen in the world. And also I would add that this is not new to this chapter of the Mimer, but he's repeating again. Our grappling with that ego, whether it's through subjugating it or even ultimately rechanneling it, that's the work that causes a, 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 a home for Hashem in this world. Okay. Excellent. Right on pace. Ches. Ois Ches. This is the concept of a tzaddik who passes away. The Rebbe says, although there have been many, let's call them concealments, and many problems, many challenges that we cannot comprehend. If that's, as if that's not enough, now we're faced with this situation. The Rebbe is saying, now, you know, the previous Rebbe has passed on, which is devastating. In order for there to be this shining of light in all worlds, light that is normally not even relevant to the worlds, that is precipitated or triggered by the passing of a tzaddik, which is as difficult for us, the passing of a tzaddik is as difficult for us, not just as much as the korban, but like the second maimer chazal, like the second saying of the sages, even more difficult for us than the korban. We should know the purpose of it ultimately... The ultimate purpose of this is that a greater light should be revealed than ever was revealed before. So that's what's demanded from all of us. You should know you're found in the seventh generation. And just know what is the greatness of the seventh. The greatness of the seventh is just a reflection of the greatness of the first. Like we said, Moshe was the seventh to Avram. Avram was the first. What was Avram characterized by? He sacrificed himself and he didn't even look for self-sacrifice. It wasn't even a value by him. What was Avram's motive? He wanted to get others to subscribe to monotheism, right? So like the verse says, He called out there in the name of Hashem, the Lord of the world. But like we know, it's not that he called out, he got others to call out. 
ודוגמס הנהוגס אברהם אבינו שהוא, גקומן אינזלך ארתר. So if you want to be like Avram Avinu, let me describe what it looks like. You come to a place where people don't know about God. Where they don't know about Judaism. They don't even know Aleph base. You come into such a place. And being in such a place, Abgelekt on a zeit, you set aside your own concerns. Un altikreva yikra eleva yakri. And not only in such a place do you call out in the name of Hashem, but you're getting others to call out. It's known that when the sages say, do not read, but rather this, not this, but rather this, it's known about that style of uh, expoundation. Both meanings persist. Meaning when they say, don't read it this way, read it that way, it's not instead of, it's, it's in addition to. So the Rebbe is about to say, you want to call out in the name of Hashem? You want a relationship with God? It's not either or. It's not either I can have a relationship with God or I can get other people to. They're one and the same. So in Torah it says, Avram called out. He had a relationship with Hashem. But if you want to call out, you want to, you want to make sure that you are spiritually healthy, make somebody else spiritually healthy. You want to make sure that Vayikra gets into you, make sure that you are occupied with Vayakri. The greatest guarantee for your own Yiddishkeit is that you're giving Yiddishkeit away. It's that paradox. The Yiddishkeit that you truly have is only the Yiddishkeit that you're giving to others. Not the Yiddishkeit you attempt to keep for yourself. The, the only Yiddishkeit that you truly have, that you really have solidly, that you can never lose, is that Yiddishkeit which you are actively involved in giving away to others. See that not only should the other person know about Hashem, the other person should call out. What does that mean? How do you know that your students really have learned from you when your students become teachers? So, not that I called out to you. I, I, I once learned from an from a expert teacher who told me advice as a teacher to a teacher. He said to me, you know what you told them. You don't know what they heard. What's the proof that you really got the message across? Not just that I told you. I know what I told you. I'm not sure what you heard. But when you go repeat it and you call out and you teach it to others. Even though that just a minute ago, this guy that you're talking to knew nothing. When you first met him, he knew nothing. And now you have to get him to be the one who carries the banner and tells everybody else, Kel Oilam. And what does Kel Oilam mean? Nit Kel Ho Oilam. Not God is God of the world. That would mean God is one thing, the world is another thing, God is the boss of the world. But rather, Shalakus, Meishel Veshelet Ala Oilam. But, but but not that Hashem is one thing and another thing, except that that Hashem is the boss of the world and is Meishel Veshelit on the world. Ki'im, but rather, what is the idea that you're trying to get people to express? She'elam velokus hu kulechat. That the world and God is one, one thing. Kel oilam. 
Okay, how are we gonna uh, how are gonna synopsize Ches? Or is Ches? Biashliach, hmm? but hold on a second, that term doesn't exist yet. We can't do that. That's anachronistic. Yeah, it's probably what it's talking about. But this is 1951. This is before the Chabad houses. This is 1951. Be like Avram. Be like Avram Avino. Yeah, that, let's let's go back to old time classical Judaism. Use. In 1951, do you think anyone predicted what, what the Rebbe was talking about? In 1951, do you think anybody would have imagined that this is what the Rebbe was describing? Looks like it looks like in 2007. That would be science fiction. That would be like telling people 1951 we're going to have flying cars. Except we don't yet have flying cars, but we have Chabad in every country and every every place where there are Jews. Okay. Tess, this is it. Home stretch. This is the home stretch. Ois Tess. Va'av ki mihuzeh ve'ezehu asher odav libei leimor evoida ve'edas avram avino. Although, who can say who has the audacity to dare say that he is going to serve Hashem on the level of Avram Avinu? But you know what? You can be a little bit like Avram Avinu. <laughs> Don't say, oh, I can't be like Avram Avinu. Let me be <laughs> totally different than Avram Avinu. How about say, you know what? Maybe I'm not going to be Avram Avinu, but I could aspire to be as close to Avram Avinu as possible. In fact, not only can you say that, you're obligated to say that. You're obligated to say, let me be as similar to Avram Avinu as I can be. And you should know, you were given the power to do it already. And the reason you have the power is that it was shown to you. It was illustrated for you. All the way down to the previous Rebbe showed us how this looks. They showed us what a life of senseless, irrational devotion to getting other people to call out in the name of Hashem. They showed, they showed us what that life looks like. Shehem They paved the way. And they gave us the power. That itself really is another way of describing the special preciousness of the seventh generation. We have all the great examples to learn from. Just fathom how many how much how much power was given to us, was bequeathed to us. All the previous work that was done to set us up, to have us poised at this place. And if we're going to do the work that, that is appropriate to the, the powers that we were given. We are going to do no less than to bring the Iker Shechina, the highest level of Shechina, down to the lowest place, the physical, coarse, material world. And it's going to be in a condition, in a quality greater than it ever was before. 
It's not just we're going to restore what was. We're going to bring about something that never existed yet in its loftiness. It says about Mashiach that he will be very, very lofty. Loftier than Adam, the first man. Adam was pretty lofty because he was Hashem's direct handiwork. In fact, Mashiach will be greater than Adam, not just Adam, but greater than Adam was before he sinned. So the world is going to be with Mashiach. The world is going to be greater than it was in the time before Adam sinned. He was the one who endured much affliction. And because of the affliction that he endured, he sort of carried the, the burden for his generation. So he's going to see, he's going to look at our affliction now, that we're in pain, and that we need Mashiach, we need to be redeemed already. We need to, uh, a material, both a spiritual and a material redemption. And that we need to be lifted up, stood in a, in a place of light. But hold on. That what we said, that, that's still just giluyim. And remember from previously, giluyim is a dirty word. Remember smelling the brisket? <laughs> giluyim, not atzim, not the actual thing itself. So it's even more. That he's going to connect us to the very essence of the infinite. Blessed is he. So not just a revelation, not just Mashiach's going to come, and wow, you're going to be blown away by what you're going to see when Mashiach comes. No, much more than that. Not Giloyim, Etzim. That we're going to experience the very essence of God. That is in fact the entire purpose why all the worlds were created. In fact, that's the purpose for the sin and the sin getting fixed. It was all part of the process, all part of the plan. And it's even, it even includes this especially harsh episode where we face the passing of the tzaddik. But all of it is all part of the plan. It was all from the very beginning. So it would culminate in our accomplishing something greater than has ever, ever, ever been seen before. The very essence of God being revealed here in this physical world. That through all of this, light that is greater than the worlds, that is beyond our relationship with the worlds, will be revealed. And we're going to go out of this exile with a, with a, literally with a high hand, what it means proudly. It describes when the Jews went out of Egypt, Yad Roma, with a high hand. It means heads held high. And like it was in the 
redemption from Egypt. Every Jew is going to have light. All the Jews are going to have light in their homes. And then we're going to sing praises, just like they did when they went out of Egypt. And we're going to say, the Eternal One will reign forever and ever. Like we say in Davening, in Oz Yosha, it's at the end of Pesukah de Zimra. Or like the translation of that verse, the Onkelos translation in Aramaic, Hashem's kingship will be sustained forever and ever and ever. And then the next verse is, and Hashem will be the king. Hashem will be one, His name will be one. What does that mean? Hashem will be one, His name will be one. There will be no difference between Hashem and His name. All of this that we're describing... It's precipitated by this difficult happening where the tzaddik passes away. Which our sages tell us is more difficult to bear than the destruction of the temple. But since we've already been through this, that I was saying in 1951, but we've... we've We've gone through this. We've experienced the loss that Yud Shvat, Tav Shin Yud, was when the previous Rebbe was Nistalik. So now the only thing left is just what we're, it's our move. It's up to us. It's our move. What are we going to do with it? Us, the seventh generation. It's all outlined here. Grapple with yourself. Work with it, put it in its place, subjugate it. If you can go better than that, and you try to rechannel it, reharness it, redirect it, even better. That's going to be expressed as an irrational devotion to loving your fellow above and beyond, and getting your fellow to call out, and to understand that, that, that Hashem and the world are one. And, 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 and that this work, and, and the fact that the, the, the passing of the tzaddik, and all these things culminate in this, this unique time in history with all the work that was done before. All of that sets the scene that what we can expect, not only what we can, we can expect, we have to hold ourselves accountable to, as our goal is nothing less than bringing the highest level of godliness into revelation in this lowest physical world. The Rebbe says a prayer. We should merit to be seen together with the Rebbe, the Rebbe speaking about his Rebbe, the previous Rebbe, here in this physical world, in a guf, in a physical body, below ten hand breaths, meaning not some spiritual, ephemeral uh, type of idea, but really grounded, solid. And he should redeem us. And that... Is the end of Ice Tess and the end of the Mimer? How, how would we summarize Ice Tess? Hmm? It's up to us. It's up to us, yeah. Mm-hmm. The stage has been set.